Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, all right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about freedom. Um, basically, we're going to talk about, I don't know, like different, you know, what freedom means to us, but also like what you need to do to protect it. What What is going on in the world? When has it gone too far? You know, you know, guys know I'm pretty much like libertarian leading and, uh, you know, I, I just want government out of my way, but there's a tough bunch of different things there and different levels of freedom and and what's tolerated and what what needs to be stopped by force and what needs to be you know just kind of fought against in the ballot box and maybe we're going to get into some of the ways you could stop it oppression by force and we're going to kind of dig deep into the the different stuff there and and how we can uh kind of work to preserve freedom and not put our life and liberty at risk. Cause a lot of times people think, well, if we got rid of the government, guess what? Another bunch of jackasses will come in and uh, try and rein you down. You know, you sometimes, I, I guess when we look at Egypt over there, we remember, uh, you know, Mubarak was so freaking bad and they all hated him. Right. It's not his name. And, uh, and we were like, Oh, that guy's a jackass. And, and we got to get rid of him. He's a tyrant. And now, they got rid of him and it turns out they got a tyrant. So, and that's, and I guess that's what's kind of happened in Turkey. Although I, I don't think those people really uh, wanted the revolution. I mean, they just got some people worked up and were like, yeah, go out and pretend you're having a revolution. And, you know, I think some of those people thought they were part of the revolution but I think it may have just been that the guy was like, yeah, go out there. Get, we'll get rid of these guys and then I can take over. Right. That, right. that ends up happening. And, and I think you got to be very careful that you don't end up being a pawn 
in somebody else's game. And, and that's something to definitely consider because it's definitely probably not going to end up like, you know, into some blissful utopia. You know, I, I, damn, you know, all throughout history, America seems like the only place that's ever really, you know, played out where, you know, you stand up to your oppressor and you end up with a whole lot more freedom on the other side, you know, but think of the blood and and what it cost us. Go ahead. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was really, I feel like that was really the responsibility of one person. That was George Washington. You know, he, he easily could have made himself king of North, you know, of the United States. He easily could have done that. He had an entire army behind him that supported whatever he did. They were extremely loyal to him <clears throat> and they, he could have just declared himself the king and people would have loved it. A lot of people and would have loved it. They would have been happy. Yeah. <clears throat> but he, you know, he famously said, I didn't defeat George the third to become George the fourth. Exactly. Know, he would have no interest and he had no interest in becoming president either. You know, that was yeah. kind of thrust upon him. And I think that that's, you know, there's, it's, it's really important that, that we have people in authority that don't want to have the authority that consider more of a responsibility than it is a privilege. And there are so few people out there, I think that have that kind of humility, you know, that really could lead like that. And and how do you find Mm -hmm. them and really know, I mean, you know, I, I guess it goes back again. It's that libertarian in me. Um, Ayn Rand always said, you know, uh, that people are consistent and, and look at their values. And I think that's part of how you, you judge a man where she always said, uh, contradictions don't exist. And when you see one path of their life that isn't consistent with the other path of their life, you need to start raising an eyebrow and realize kind of who you're dealing with. And I think like, like that was, uh, you know, I was a, a, a Ted Cruz fan when, you know, he was running in the primary. And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you started seeing these random contradictions. And they wouldn't be in the things he was saying about, you know, politics or the Constitution. But then he'd have some other values that just didn't kind of jive and they'd kind of raise an eyebrow and you just, it's so hard to find somebody who's really out there trying to be a decent person and really look up to, you know, whatever, uh, you know, be a true leader and have that kind of ability and, and some kind of honesty or humility. So you got to be careful what you get. Um, the next thing is kind of, when do you know that, you know, you're not free? Uh, you guys have heard me talk about the Cato Institute and, they have their uh, freedom index and they, they I guess the, the most recent one is the human freedom index. Now they also have freedom of the States and the different stuff there. And you'd be surprised they, uh, at how this plays out. Cause they talk about the top 10 places that are free. You're going to uh-huh. kind of laugh. Well, one, you're thinking, Oh, America is pretty free, right? Well, right. Turns That's out- we're not quite number one. We come in not somewhere around, around 13 or 17, uh, 13. No, the United States and Sweden are tied for 17. So, yeah, that, that's a little rough. But now, mind you, this is 2018. This is not right. present day, right? 2018. Right. So and a lot has not, happened in the last year. 
Right. So 10 places, number one was New Zealand. Number two was Switzerland. And number three, wait for it, Hong Kong. And maybe that's why they're out there fighting. Um, Australia, because people don't want to give up. Uh, Australia. Right. Once people have a taste of it, they don't want to give it up, you know? Yeah. Whereas Australia is taking a turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Australia's taking a turn for the worse. And then there's Canada, the Netherlands, Denmark, Ireland, UK. UK beats us out. Now, there is a couple of things that that mess up the way I would view this list. They include a freedom as access to healthcare. And, you know, the, they, they have a lot of things in there that are a little different than I would necessarily view them. But bottom line, you know, America isn't that free, but it's also not that bad. And it's funny because my perspective, since I moved out of New York and moved down South, I'm like, you know, we got a lot of freedom here and people don't really mess with you and you can kind of do what you want. Whereas in New York, I just felt very closed in and like, you know, they are messing with me at every turn. You right. know, so and honestly, not- in, in New York State, anybody can have the police knock on knock on their door and be found to be doing something illegal because everything's illegal. Yeah, that that's pretty much how it plays out. And you have to you remember know, that that the government doesn't have any uh any power over the decisions you make. The only power they have is to legislate and enforce those laws. So basically if you make everything illegal, then you can you can affect the way people behave and act by enforcing the laws that you see fit at the times you see fit. And that's, you know, if you disagree with what somebody's doing, then you can just find the law that they're breaking and put them in prison for it. Exactly. Go ahead. Every law that is passed that's created is a, is a basic, uh, is a, is an affront to freedom. Every law that's passed is a restriction that, you know, that the people are allowed or, you know, not allowed to do. That's, I mean, that's it. And the more and more, like, you used to have with, uh, you know, like the Stasi and the, you know, in Russia and the KGB and all this and and people snitching on their neighbors and stuff. What the, the thing is, is if there's enough laws, which is what Kevin was just getting at here, is if there's enough laws, you're always guilty of something. You know, I think we read that... uh you know, you know, everybody commits at least one felony a day, whether you, mm-hmm. you know, don't you realize it or not. Um, there's always something out there. Now, whether these felonies are enforced. Now, or, yeah. Let me just back that up. You said everybody commits one felony a day. That's on average. I've, I take up like the, the vast majority of my neighborhood worth of felonies here. So just, let's just be clear. You got your street covered. Yeah. I've, I, I, I handle enough felonies every day for, 10 or 20 people. Yeah, exactly. Um, But that's the thing is you'd have so many laws that like Kevin said, you could walk into somebody's house and at any time be like, Oh, look right here. You guys are in trouble. 
But you're also seeing a lot of these cities where they're like, you know what, don't enforce all these little laws. But when they have all these laws on the book, at any time they can turn you into the monster. And then they also do it with the fear. The way that, you know, uh, Hitler was really big on demonizing guns. And he would talk about, you know, that he was actually the guy who came up with zero tolerance. And the whole zero tolerance thing would be, well, you know, you're talking about guns and that's, you know, right away that's bad. And, you know, you guys, you have a shotgun, but, you know, we don't like guns in general. So, you know, it's just a gray area and I don't like it. And by actually having these gray areas, it got people scared and it kept moving them further and further where all of a sudden you see it with disdain as, you know, somebody having a gun. Oh, they're evil. Because you don't want to be associated. Right. You don't want to be, you don't want to be associated with criminals. Nobody wants to be, you know, nobody wants to be uh, living in the same household as a, uh, as somebody that's breaking the law. The cops could come in anytime and guilt by association. You're there and they have something illegal. That's also your problem now. Right, exactly. And so, you know, or your friend, like you said, you're out at the park and your friend and she has a gun in her purse and, oh my God, look at you. You're hanging out with whatever. Now, and I feel like in America, we've really gotten to where that fear plays out in a big part of society. Mm-hmm. Now, that that's kind of what I was talking about is now that I'm down south, that's ridiculous and nobody has that fear and whatever. But you're up in New York and you talk about guns and it's like, oh, that guy mentioned he has a gun and, at the party and oh my God. And, and it's, you know, it, it's really... Uh, It's really ridiculous, you know, how you go over the top with that. Yeah, I remember, uh, this is just a side note, kind of an illustration with that. My, uh, I remember they, they were opening up a, uh, an adult bookstore in my, uh, town and a bunch of people got together trying to keep it out. And what they finally settled on, which finally worked is they went out there to the adult bookstore with video cameras. And just recorded everybody that got out of their car and went inside there. And people were so embarrassed about it that nobody wanted to go there anymore because they're, you know, they're being recorded going in and out of a a porn shop. And nobody wants to be the known known as the the neighborhood pervert. And uh, they ended up having to close up because of that. You know, if you're if you're scared to do things. uh, You know, you're going to be hesitant to, uh, you know, to object if if. You know, you feel like you're going to be the one on the line. Nobody wants to be known for civil disobedience, especially when uh, you're out there protesting and uh, they've got yeah. facial recognition cameras up and they're just recording everybody who's out there protesting. Whatever it is you're protesting against, you know, if you break the law or somebody else breaks the law, they've got your face on camera. They know who you are. They'll match it up with your driver's license and come over to your address and pick you up. So, I mean, are you going to be really be the one that's out there protesting if the police yeah. will knock on your door and shoot your dog the next day? Hey, and then they come over to your house and I have some of those examples of felonies you might be committing and not realize. All right. And they're like, wait, didn't a week ago you find out that your daughter had marijuana and you flushed it down the toilet? Guess what? You committed a felony of mm-hmm. obstruction of justice. Right, um, de- destroying evidence, man. That is destroying evidence. Oh, you danger. should be disgusted with yourself. 
in 2001, this guy ordered freaking lobster tails. And it turns out they were the wrong size where they were too small where they became illegal. Okay. He didn't order. Can you send me two small, small illegal one, lobster small tails? Yeah. That wasn't actually his plan. Mm-hmm. But they were in clear plastic bags. And this guy ended up getting sentenced to eight years in jail. For buying <laughs> lobster tails. For buying lobster tails online. Mm-hmm. The guy, if you want to look it up, uh, his name was Robert Blandford. Uh, I believe they also went after his wife uh, or Diane Hahn and uh, the three American seafood dealers, as well as the guy who, who bought them, who bought the lobster all went down. So you look into that. I mean, really Um, that sort of behavior disgusts me. Who is out there getting lobster tails that are a centimeter too short. That is disgusting behavior. Now, how about this? There's a statute in the, uh, from, the Supreme Court, it implies uh, bribes and kickbacks. But if you get into it, technically, under bribes and kickbacks, in the wording from the Supreme Court, if you call in sick and you're a salaried employee and you're lying about it, uh-huh. that's a bribe and a kickback from Ooh, a company. Nice. See? All right. Felony? Felony right there. All right. Um, all right. There's a, uh, a automobile racer, uh, Bobby Unser. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, but uh, convicted of a federal crime and sentenced to six months in prison because he got lost in a blizzard in Colorado for two days while snowmobiling and was found guilty of unlawful operation of a snowmobile in a national forest area. Ah. See? He got lost. He drove mm-hmm. in the woods. And damn it, if he wasn't operating a motor vehicle in a, you know. Yep. Um, I don't know. If you email your family and friends and tell them not to use. um, All right. Here, here they're saying use the service of your company. So here's what happened in 2000. Brett McDaniel served 16 months in prison after he alerted customers of his old company, Tornado Development, about a software problem that was never fixed. He explained that the company's email system had a flaw that could allow an attacker to gain access to the user's email records. The prosecutors argued that he damaged the company by being a whistleblower and was convicted of a felony. So... Mm -hmm. See, danger. Um, Oh, here's a good one that actually came into play a little while ago. But I I did do the appropriate thing, but I could have gone the other way. Mm -hmm. If you tell a park ranger that you cleaned up your picnic area and you didn't. Ooh, lying to Uh, a federal officer. (laughs) See there? See what you did? Uh Uh-huh. Um, This guy was sentenced in U.S. District Court to a year in prison for lying to an FBI agent when he denied traveling to Afghanistan. The transcript suggests that Mantanser was not purposely trying to deceive interrogators, but rather had doubts of his original answers. And he felt he needed advice from legal counsel to the point where here is the wording that got him in. I don't know. Yeah. That one was a miss. I don't. I don't know what happened there. You want to? I guess I should have done better notes, but we'll just apologize and move on. 
All, All right. right. Just accept it that Chuck's screwed up a little bit there and, and I'll take the hit. That was Chuck. You can blame me. Mm-hmm. You always, I always want to blame Kevin, but it's not always my fault. Uh, but my point know. is, yeah, well, sorry. I was going to say, you know, the point is once there's so many laws, if you're doing anything, no, they're not coming out just to harass you nonstop. But if you speak out, or if you're the guy saying, hey, you know, I, I have this great podcast and I'm going to tell you to be careful of your government and not let them overstep on you. And they're like, whoa, whoa. whoa wait a minute. Wait a minute. It looks like you're the lobster tail in your freezer is a centimeter. Exactly. You know, and then all of a sudden you're a little shady. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm getting at. So you guys got to be careful. Now, there are ways to kind of stand up to government. Is that mm-hmm. a thing, Kevin? Now, this obviously we're talking about maybe our brothers over in Hong Kong, or maybe you're in Turkey, maybe you're in Egypt. You know, maybe yeah. there's maybe there's you're in Iran. going wrong in your world. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you're in Iran, and maybe you need to uh, find a way to maybe stick it to the man when they're uh, kind of coming down on you a little bit hard. Um, right. Well, there and, are you know, some. Go ahead. There are some ways that you might be able to do that. And, you know, the government is afraid of an informed populace. Right. That's really the most dangerous, dangerous thing. And you see that with with governments that are trying to control their population, where they have uh, censorship on on certain topics. You can't discuss certain things. You can't research certain things. And, uh, you know, it's because being informed makes you dangerous. Yes. That's why, I mean, you know, when you think of our bill of rights, you're like, oh, well, the second amendment, that's, that's the way that, you know, we're free. Right. But freedom of speech, there's a reason it's number one. Right. Um, And that's really the most, the most important thing. If, you know, and I, I hear people, this is actually something that pissed me off uh, earlier this year. Let's get into this for a second. Um, They had, uh, they had some, uh, protest down in Charlottesville. Yeah, I'm sure you remember that with the tiki torches and, uh, you know, uh, anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic uh, chants and things like that. And uh, my my son was in class and his teacher was talking about um, freedom of speech. And should certain freedoms of speech uh, be allowed? Like hate speech. Should hate speech oh, be hate allowed? Speech. I mean, it's really disruptive and, and terrible for the communities that, you know, they're going on in. It's t- what, terrible for minority little children heard it. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, he, he was advocating, uh, banning, uh, hate speech, which is, is well and good until you think about, uh, who it is that's actually deciding what hate speech is, you know, any, anything can be considered hate speech if it's, uh, you know, if it's decided by the wrong person. And there's nobody in this country, I don't give a fuck who you are, there is nobody in this country that is competent enough to decide what speech is okay and what speech is not okay. And anytime you start down that road, you know, I'm sure in the 1950s, it was probably hate speech to to suggest that it was okay for a white man and a, a black woman or vice versa to be married together and have children together. That's disgusting behavior. And, you know, if you had banned that sort of uh, speech, then the civil rights movement would have been set back, you know, 40 years. But we can't, you know, 
when you start getting into the weeds with shit like that, you start deciding what is okay to say and what is not okay to say. Then you start really degrading what, uh, what the conversation of the world is. And if you feel like you're anti-racist, but you can't defend that position against what I've only seen as incompetent, you know, incoherent ramblings by, by racists, if you can't defend that position, then you need to go back to fucking school and read some books. That's not the racist fault. That's your fault. That's, you know, and that's when it comes down to being informed and knowledgeable and having a set of beliefs that you can back up and you can uh, defend. That's not, that's not the racist fault. That's your fault. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, you really need to understand freedom if you're going to protect it. Um, and understand your values and what you want, you know, what, what the world should be. And that's people get so caught up in, well, I want things and you can't tell me what to do. Well, yeah, fuck you are anarchy. You know, I get it, but that's not, there's a reason behind it. And guess what? If you're really free, you're responsible for yourself. Right. And, and that's, I don't know it, that's where everyone kind of falls apart on that. You know, freedom yep. comes with responsibility and not, I mean, yeah, think responsibility to take care of yourself, to handle things, to do things the right way. Right. And, you know, to take care of your family, to take care of your obligations. And that's where it all comes down. And you need to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, you're, you're able to take care of your own before you go trying to destroy, you know, the whole system and everything else. And, right. you know, they always say, be careful what you wish for. Right. So mm -hmm. that's where you get into danger there. Right. Right. Well, I feel like uh, Sam Adams, you know, I can ramble on and on, but Sam Adams really had the perfect quote about that. He said, if you love wealth greater than Liberty, the tranquility of servitude greater than the animated con contest for freedom, go home from us in peace. We seek not your counsel nor your arms. Crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you. May your chains set lightly upon you, and may posterity forget that you were our countrymen. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, that, is. that, that to me is a, is a very uh, clear cut way. You know, the idea that safety is more important than freedom. You know, and, and Chuck says he's a libertarian, and I used to think of myself as a libertarian also. But the more I think about it, I'm really an anarchist. You know, I feel like I should be having shootouts on my way to work every day, you know. But, you know, I get you're, you're not having shootouts time. on the way to work every day. No, I mean, I feel like I get outvoted all the time and people feel like, you know, stray bullets hitting innocent bystanders are an issue. You know, I feel like there aren't enough stray bullets in my life, you know. Yeah. All Everyone, right. I feel like, uh, you know. Uh, a nine millimeter round should should uh, be coming through my window every every couple of weeks, and nothing. I get nothing. Have you like considered that. employment at UPS? <laughs> there you go. All you gotta do, man. All you gotta do to get shot eighteen, twenty times. Fuck. Guy for UPS. Oh my god, that's the kind of thing. I mean, once you get. You know, they always, you know, it's the jackbooted thugs, right? Isn't right. that what you anarchists are always saying? Yep, <laughs> yep. That's the thing, you know? 
they get out there and, and man, what the hell goes through somebody's head? Well, I'm a policeman, so I can just shoot at anything and whatever with no consequences. I mean, what kind of training puts like 19 guys where they're like, hey, we should just all open fire in the middle of traffic and hide right, behind civilian cars with people in them. With people in them. Right. They're yeah. hiding. They were hiding in cars that had that had citizens sitting in them and shooting over the roof and over the hood. Yeah. And then yeah. acting like the guy in the car is an asshole because he wasn't ducking fast enough. Right. Right. That's their problem. Right. Yeah. That that's a problem. I don't know. You'll have to uh, search that out in Florida if you guys uh, don't know what we're talking about. Um, you, you maybe don't have a Facebook account if you don't know what we're talking about or haven't turned on the news. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's the kind of thing. It's just the brazen power of, well, we're in charge, so do what you say, and, and if you get injured in there, that's collateral damage. You know, that's not right. how that's, the world should work. That was the, yeah, it, it was the criminal's fault that I shot you. Right. You know, yeah. the, the criminal go to jail for it, too. Yeah, I remember yeah, exactly. uh, not too long ago, there was a shootout in, uh, in New York City. Uh, this is probably about four years back. There was a guy that was having a schizophrenic break and he was running in and out of traffic and uh, being disruptive, screaming and yelling. The cops showed up and shot at him, Logically. shot at him. They, they completely missed. The guy was unarmed first off. You know what I mean? If you're a cop, you should be able to tackle somebody and, and handle business. But And what's that, he doing running that, in traffic to- aside of risking hurting himself? I mean... Right, right. He really I mean, was he no might do some damage to the car, but that's not worth taking somebody's life, you know? Right. And so they shot at him and missed him 19 times. Yeah, they sure. did, however, manage to shoot two other people that were just standing on the sidewalk. Yeah. And the guy that had the schizophrenic break went to prison because he murdered those two people. Right. Even though he, had, he did not have a gun. And this is the type of shit that I'm talking about. About you know, about personal freedom, you know, you're just minding your own fucking business and you get shot, but it's somebody else's fault. You know, it's not the government's fault that they shot you. It's the criminal's fault that didn't do Didn't do anything. You know, the guy was having a, a health crisis is really what it comes down to. Right. And uh, two other and people the police got shot. Are there to protect and serve. Right. So they were helping him right. through his health crisis. Right. Right. He was having a, a schizophrenic break where he felt like uh, the government was after him and trying to get him. And then the government showed up and started shooting guns at him. That didn't fix the situation. No, this is why we need more government so we can take care of the health problems that come up. If we had more people out there telling us what to do and protecting us, they could Mm -hmm. enforce the shit out of the bad stuff. Right. Like that UPS driver had a health crisis of being alive and being (laughs) in front of, in front of the gunman. Right. And it's not like the thing is, you couldn't have just waited him out. The UPS truck stopped in traffic. They're not going right. anywhere. You know, right. you could just be like, all right, let's get these people out of here. Let's, you know, let's make the world a better place. Instead, oh, let's just freak out and panic, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, teach his own. You know, I, 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 in Hong Kong, they're going through some some issues like this themselves right now. All right. Uh, let's talk so, about that real quick. They're not quite the most freedom. Um, number three well, on the freedom at the moment. No, they they uh, 
had some concerns because the, the federal government wanted to extradite criminals to China so that they could be tried and imprisoned there. Right. Now, I feel like it's I feel like we all believe that it's fair that our peers are the ones to judge what we do wrong and what we do right, not outside forces. You know, and we have a, a system of government that's set up in that way that, you know, our peers are the ones that try us in, in courts and things like that. And, you know, there's really a, a big that's really a, a big deal. A lot of people don't see that. But, you know, there's things like jury nullification, which, um, you know, you can get, you know, charged with a crime that is unjust and go to court over it. And you could have clearly broken a law that was unjust and the jury can vote, find you not guilty. Basically right. what's happening is the jury is nullifying that law. That's the citizens standing up for themselves and protecting their own rights and protecting the rights of their, you know, of their neighbors. Right. And uh, when you start exporting uh, law to a different set of people, you know, you find yourself in the situation that they're in in, in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, they're out there protesting peacefully. And I, I know, I know a lot of you are saying it's not peaceful. They're doing, you know, this, they're doing that. They're attacking cops. They're, you know, maybe look, look into this stuff for yourself because China is really pushing that. China is really pushing the, uh, the idea that these people are rioters. They're, uh, they're criminals. And really, they're only fighting for their own freedoms. So far... Yeah. 4,491 people have been arrested in those protests. What happened to those people? Where are they at now? Nobody really knows. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're alive. People are killing themselves where they're jumping off of buildings after they've been beaten to death. Like that's a suicide. The cops are just like, yeah, nah, it's dead. We're not going to investigate that. Yeah, he was beaten to death with, with batons before he fell off of that building. But, you know, whatever. And, it, you know, they've been pushing more and more strong arm tactics on these, uh, on these protesters. Um, clearly uh, they have video of agent provocateurs, which are police officers that dress up as protesters and then go into the protests and start rioting and breaking windows and throwing bricks. Um, and what they've been settling on now lately is what they call kettling. What kettling is, is, you get a massive force of, of police out okay. and you go, you go in and you organize everybody to start on different streets and you move in closer and closer with tear gas and rubber bullets and move people into a smaller and smaller location until you can corral them all into a tight place where they can't escape. They can't move. They can't do anything. And then anytime somebody tries to break out, you grab them, arrest them, and then move the barricades in further. And basically what you're doing is forcing these people to become criminals so that you right. can arrest them. And that's that's the thing is, you know, a government can get out of hand. A government can get out of control. And like I said, you have to understand what kind of outcome and what kind of thing you're looking for. But you also don't want to get pushed into a box where you can't defend yourself. And that's kind of the perfect analogy right there of what happens. Um, you know, they talk about 
you know, well, you give up this gun or you give up this right because, you know, we don't need machine guns. We don't need, you know, all these different things. But <clears throat> you keep getting more and more taken away from you. And, well, we don't need hate speech because, yeah, I can get behind that. Well, all right, yeah, it's wrong if I, I talk about how to make explosives on the internet because, you know, I don't want bad people to find out that information. So I'll give up that right, that freedom mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give away. And then, well, you know, I don't want to give people ideas of how they might, you know, start a revolution or how they might disrupt their government or how they could disrupt the uh, infrastructure in society. Well, because that, that, that is dangerous and could end bad. But you basically, by giving up all these freedoms and rights, you're closing that box in mm -hmm. on yourselves. They're moving the barricades in on you just a little tighter and tighter until you're so confined that all of a sudden you're in a train car being headed off to a freaking uh, concentration camp or you know detention center. Right, and, and you're packed in there so tight that you can't get out. And if and you, you do can't get out, get out, right, if you do get out, then you're obviously a criminal. Exactly. And that's the, the whole thing of how it works, is they keep closing the box. And those are the freedoms we keep fighting for here in America that we try and hang on to. That's why, you know, people say, oh, well, when it's time to hide your guns, it's time to use them. Because these are people where they've decided that the box is getting a little too tight, mm -hmm. you know, that once you get to the point where you have no freedom left, you won't be able to defend yourselves. You won't be able to organize. You won't have a knowledgeable populace who can protect themselves. And this is what you need to be aware of. And you need to be constantly fighting to keep the rights and to allow people to stay knowledgeable, stay informed, and you need to utilize your rights. And what I mean by that is you actually have to go out and learn the information and understand stuff and spend some time thinking about what's important to you and your family and your friends and people you care about. Decide what's important and find ways to protect it. Because if you keep your head in the sand and you allow it to you know, keep closing in on you, you're going to find that it's too late and you're being rounded up and you're not going to have a choice. And you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I remember they used to say never again, but uh, it, it keeps happening, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that brings up something I think is uh, kind of funny. My, I was talking to my son yesterday and somehow uh, the topic of of making your own explosives at home came up. I don't oh, know. Sure. How I don't know why that comes up in my house. That's not the first time it's come up. But I basically was telling him how to make a pipe bomb. Oh, and, logically. Uh, he said, Dad, why do you know how to make a pipe bomb? And the real question is, why doesn't everybody know how to make a pipe bomb? Exactly. I, I He took shop last year. Um, and I said, you know, with the things that, that are in that classroom, you can make your own gun. And uh, that shocked him. But, you know, the, the truth is, the secret's out. Guns aren't yeah. hard to make. You can build them at home. You can get blocks of steel and aluminum and make your own gun. So you're saying if I had some black pipe and some shotgun rounds? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. You'd be all set. That That's a disturbing world we live in. I'm a little frightened. Well, 
Well, I mean, the, you know, the thing is that the more the government hides information, the more things that are against the law to talk about, the less dangerous the population is and the less the government has to fear the population. The gov governments should be afraid of people. People should not be afraid of the governments. That sounds accurate. Um, but that's what we got to say about that. That's what I would say. You got anything more you want to add on that one? I mean, I kind no, of I feel like we it. laid it um, down and I don't want to. I don't want to taint the goodness. Yeah, and and you know, I just one last thing. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who is uh, involved in. Um, uh, he's involved in a in a local government as far as you know, uh, operating water systems and power systems, and uh, you know, making sure roads are paved and that sort of stuff. That's the most dangerous person in the world. The, the person that knows how your city operates is the person that knows how to shut down the city. So when you really, when you, when you get down to it, the more competent a person is, the more freedom he has. All day. And, and that's really where self-reliance comes in. I mean, that's why you're a prepper, right? Is because the more you can take away, take care of yourself, the less they can take away from you. Right. You know, if you're dependent on your government for your health care, or even if you're dependent on this infrastructure for your health care, then you're dependent on society and people can take things away from you. If you know how to treat your own wounds and take care of yourself, then, you know, maybe you have some antibiotics stored up. Maybe you have some stuff that, you know, you can take care of yourself. That's a different level of freedom. Now, Am I going to treat cancer for, you know, my kid that gets sick and has leukemia? No, it's not going to happen. But mm -hmm. the more prepared and the more knowledgeable you are, the more independent you are and the freer you are. If you are growing your own food, have your own food right there on your property, then you're less dependent on the infrastructure and the supplies. You're not dependent on the government's money. You're not dependent on, you know, what they allow you to keep, what they don't allow you to keep as far as your income. Um, obviously, they can outlaw you from growing food on your land. And that's happened in the world. You know, that that's happened throughout history. And, you know, if you want to understand, you know, the Ukraine and how Russia, you know, really screwed those guys, you know, the, the, the big famines and stuff that they had, it wasn't God that did it to them. It was an impressive right. government, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the thing. So if you can protect your family, if you can feed your family, if you can shelter your family, if you can provide water for your family, if you can take care of your family's health needs, those are levels of freedom that you're giving yourself. I don't see how you can love freedom and not be a prepper. You know, if you're not self-reliant, you're not free. And Obviously, we just keep getting closer and closer to the ideal. It's not that any of us are completely free. And it, even if you're living, you know, in the woods completely, I guess maybe you're free, but really somebody can come take that land from you. You know, then how secure are you? You know, what's your your defensive position beyond that point? But, uh, right. you know, we just want to get as close to true freedom as you can. 
And that's what's going to make the world a better place. Amen, brother. All right, we can go with that. So with that, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.